And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Time to talk finances with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Good afternoon. How are we? We good? Well, I'm speaking for myself here, but I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, you, are, you appear to be okay. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm you good. actually look to be in better spirits than usual. What happened? Well, Were you the mystery winner of the $1 million in the Wednesday night lotto in Canberra? <laughs> Give you the hot tip. I wouldn't be sitting here if I was. Uh, I'll tell, tell you what, though. Somebody, still in, a pub. <laughs> somebody in Canberra has collected $1 million from the Wednesday night lotto. Wow. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know who it is, but it could have been you. It could have been anybody. Well, but yeah. I'll tell you what, I've... I've always wanted to ask if 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 I suddenly won a million dollars, what would you advise me to do if I'd, I if I'd, I won the lotto? I'd spend some of it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a better question though. Next yeah. week's jackpot in the uh, in the Powerball is going to be forty million. So what <laughs> if you, what if you won that? Oh, so you buy whatever you want. <laughs> At forty million, I don't think it matters what you do. You've got plenty of ammo. Um, and I think one thing sounds silly, but it'd actually be really hard to spend. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, again, you can you can take anything to an extreme. But I mean, you, a seven thirty seven is at least a hundred million. Well, again, you, <laughs> yeah, right. And then there's the maintenance to consider. Well, that's it's, it. it's like buying a Porsche. Yes, the the capital price is one thing, but you still got to take into account what it's going to cost to maintain as well. Oh, it's expensive, definitely. Oh, yes, absolutely. So. Now uh, we are here today, and it's it's appropriate that I opened that way because yes. we're here today. Our topic is how much is enough. Yes. My, my, my answer to that is the old catchphrase, too much is never enough. And I think that's what people need to keep in mind. I think it's a really, really good point. And I'm finding at the moment people are looking at their super balances and sort of thinking about working. And we've spoken about retirement and how what to think about in previous shows. Today's really just about, well, how much is enough? And to give some people some peace of mind around what is realistic and what they could try and aim for. But to also point out that Everybody's situation is different. Yeah. And I, I have regularly people come in, sit down and say, so what does everyone else need? And I've had examples of people living on $30,000 and being quite happy. I've got some people tell me they can't live on $300,000. So it's very difficult for somebody like me, whilst the misconception is I'd know, I actually get both ends of the spectrum and everything in between. And the important thing about today is really just to get people to realise that don't worry about what your mates have done. Don't yeah. worry about what your friends have done. Don't worry about what the ladies at work are doing. Don't worry about the lads at the golf course are doing. Worry about what you need and have an understanding of how you can get to the figure that you want, taking into account all of the resources that are available. And we're going to talk about what the government believes is fair and reasonable in a little bit. But it's about understanding what you're working with, the timeframes that you have around retirement, but also potentially some part-time work, and the assets that you've accumulated, be them super, be them buildings, be it commercial property, be it anything that you could generate an income stream from and, and work out what you need. It's interesting when we talk about how much is enough because the average income for a full-time worker is knocking on the door of $90,000 a year. It's getting close to <laughs> that's, it. That's amazing. But that's the full-time average and mm. is not the median. 
because mean yes. averages are different from medians Correct. and the median is a lot lower. So yep. most people actually make a lot less yes. than the average. The point I'm getting to here, though, is that if you're earning $90,000 yeah. a year and then you retire, you're going to think to yourself, well, I need something close to that to maintain the sort of lifestyle yeah. that I'm accustomed to. Yeah. But if you're only earning $60,000 a year when you retire, yeah. you're accustomed to that. So your expectations yep. might be different. Yep, and it's, it's very much a case when you know, listeners think back to when they started in their career or when they were younger and their salaries have increased over time. You could probably live very, very well on twenty or $30,000 less than you earn now, but society, costs, Facebook, oh. social pressure and all these other reasons that, that force us into making either good or bad decisions. Mm-hmm. See us spending money on things we don't need to impress Facebook friends that you don't actually share anything with. And unfortunately, there's a large portion of society that play in that space because I see over-indebted kids come in all the time and what I've actually sort of coined outside of you don't know what you don't know is what you don't understand doesn't scare you. Oh, really? <laughs> and, you know, I think a good example of that is people taking money out of super yeah. to, you know, buy TVs and things of that nature. If you don't understand the long-term implications of that, then you can't get angry at somebody for making what an informed person would consider a silly decision. Yeah. You know, I did some uh, a bit of light reading last night and, you know, AFSA, which is the Association of Super Funds in Australia, say that $61,909 is a comfortable lifestyle for a couple in retirement and $40,380 is a modest lifestyle. Now, That would on, be based on some assumptions though, like perhaps you already own your own house and you don't have to pay rent. Yeah, and, and I think there's always going to be a problem and this is i guess what today's show was about to get people to realize that you can't count money in other people's pockets yeah and what you need in your situation you need to work with those sorts of figures for me would say i own my own home and there would be an inclusion or an incorporation of some form of center link to make the general assumption because yeah. as you pointed out if the average person's earning 60 to seventy thousand dollars around the country they're probably not going to have 1.2 million dollars in super at a 5% yield generating 60 grand of income. So we can pretty comfortably say that you're going to accumulate some assets, be it investment properties, be it commercial assets, be it super, be it cash, be it units in a trust, whatever it may be, they will generate an income stream and you may or may not be entitled to some sort of Centrelink entitlement. So to put some context around that, if you look at a self-funded person with $900,000 in the bank as a couple and they generated a 4% income stream, that's $36,000 a year with no Centrelink entitlements. Now, that sounds great. Someone says, oh, I've got $900,000 in super. How fantastic is this? I feel really comfortable. Yeah. And they may, and that's great. By comparison, if you had $400,000 as a couple in super, you've just reached the, max, the, the, the minimum asset test mm-hmm. and you could be entitled to two full-age pensions. Well, if you generated 4% income off yet four hundred grand, you'd get sixteen grand of... Of, of dividends yeah. or rent or whatever your 400 grand is invested in and two full age pensions, you're actually entitled to around $53,000 of combined income. So you're much better off having less capital than the self-funded person. And I guess the point of me explaining that is to illustrate that don't be disheartened by what you think is enough and don't be concerned that you do or do not have the same as your friends, mm. your mum, your dad, your cousins and anyone else that you tend to compare yourself to, you need to work out what your resources are because on top of that, you could also have some part-time work, which we've spoken about in the last couple of weeks as a a resource to be able to top up the assets that you accumulate. 
because there are a range of reasons that people may or may not have the assets that they want when they reach their preservation age between 55 and 60. But I think that's a really good way of putting some context around nothing is certain and you need to do and work with the resources that you have. And don't be disheartened by saying, oh, well, I don't have $900,000 in super. I've only got $400,000. But with two age pensions on top of that, you can actually be in a much better cash flow position. Whilst it sounds stupid, and if you think of the methodology, it's, it's actually quite silly that there could be such a discrepancy. But it's there to be used, and it's important that people understand what they can work with uh, so that they can make the most informed decision to meet their number, whatever it may be. Now, I, I notice in today's notes that you've written down, don't be afraid to spend the kids' money. You've earned it. They're only going to spend it on big TVs and cars anyway. Yeah. Well, they might spend it on a few other things too. But True. Um, I first came across this concept many years ago when another financial advisor referred to something that he called the ski club. Yeah, spend the S-K-I, kids' inheritance. S-K-I, yeah. spend yep. the kids' inheritance. Yep. And uh, I guess there's two schools of thought on that. Yes, you have earned the money and you should be entitled to the benefits of that money. But if you don't leave anything for your kids... I mean, you know, that's that's how that's how dynasties are established. You've got to leave something, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, you do. And look, if you've got the resources to do that, fantastic. And I think as a parent, as most parents would sort of want for their kids, we, we spend most of our working life to be able to do the things we like but ultimately be able to give things to our children and let them have choices that give them the best opportunity to yeah. do whatever they want. And I think as a parent, you know, everybody everybody feels the same. But don't get wrapped up in that because... You probably own your home and with property prices being what they are, there's a significant asset there that could help the kids out. I don't think it's a bad thing to teach the kids they need to earn their own money. Yeah, I think that's a very good example because the ones that I see that catch it and don't earn it or value it burn through it twice as fast yeah. as the ones that have, have worked since they were little. No fortune is so vast that it cannot be frittered away. Correct. That's, a, that's another famous quote. Exactly. I no, can't remember who you, said it, but there you, you go. You're spot on. And I, and I think, again, a lot of parents want to not touch capital and longevity of their capital is very important to them. And I think it's a, a serious consideration in light of what's happening at the moment and with any investment time frame. But don't rob yourself of the opportunity to do the things that you've got to do because a lot of people that retire say to me, Luki, between 60 and 75, I'm going to have a crack. Because I find from 75, decisions start to get made for you. Mm-hmm. It could be physical, it could be mental, it could be that you can't get travel insurance to go to America and your dream was to drive Route 66. I don't yep. know. So what I'm trying to illustrate here is whilst you like to plan for the longer term, there is a limited window of time from ceasing work with the freedom to do what you want. Yep. And don't worry about trying to say, oh, I need the, the this amount of money to age 90 because you'll probably find that you're not going through it at the same rate between 60 and 75. And I just wanted to give people that peace of mind to say, you can do it, you can retire, you can have choices, but don't get caught up on the fact that this money needs to last for forever Mm. because your discretionary spending will not be the same in later years. Okay. Now, are we any closer to answering our initial question, how much is enough? (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) and and the first bullet on my piece of paper here says it depends. And and that's what I'm going to run with always because it depends on your situation and the lifestyle that you want, whether you're living on 30 or living on 300. How about as much as possible? Look, I don't think there's ever enough. Nobody's ever said to me, wow, I just have so much trouble spending all this money. No one's ever complained about that. But I generally find that 
if you want to peg a normal person, have around $10,000 of fixed costs, heating, electricity, water, car registrations, rates, provided you live in a normal house. Um, and not the ACT. <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> and then most people say they'd like fifty to $60,000 of discretionary, yep. um, which is over 1000 a week to be able to do the stuff they want to do. Yep. And I think if you can invest in assets that will generate a strong reoccurring income stream, and in retirement you really want to have an income focus as your priority yep. because if you buy income-focused assets, the growth will come over time because – people will also chase those sorts of assets. So if you buy good quality stuff that provides a, a, a let's say, in a normalised world, 4 to 5% of income, even if you touched $20,000 of capital out of a million-dollar super fund, you're only accessing 2% of what you have on top of income, which, again, talks to that longevity and, and, and will ensure that your capital base will let you live on sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars, yeah, without too much trouble through good times and bad times. So, it's really important that you know what your number is, and we, we spoke about a lot of budgeting leading into thirty June. But I think it's also important leading into retirement because when you do turn that income tap off, there's a very big gap between what people earn as wages and what their investments will earn them, yes. and there's a very big gap in the expectation um, and understanding what you invest in and what you need to generate. Um, and your attitude towards the kids' inheritance and accessing capital. You might accept that for the next five to six years, when you retire from 60 to 65, you're leading to 4 or 5% of your capital every year and then let it grow after that. That's completely fine. If you can live on your income, that's completely fine too. But make sure you're maximising the income that you generate, the franking credits that you use inside a tax-free pension. And obviously, if Centrelink was available, you can make the most of that as well. Absolutely. Are there things you should do before you go into retirement? Uh, well, again, some of the, the, the key things I would have people thinking about is start sooner rather than later. Far too often people come in in later years and show some interest in superannuation or accumulation strategies and find out that they could have been saving a significant amount of tax doing little things along the way because the benefit of compounding is very, very powerful. And if you are going to work for a number of years, make the most of it. Uh, I'd also look at, I say, income-focused assets so that as much of your annual living cost can be generated through distributions of, of what you buy in your super fund or your trust, your house, your rent, or whatever your assets are. So focus on some income and the growth will follow. Use franking credits where possible. Maximise your super contributions in working times. Uh, the carried forward legislation is something that we've spoken about in previous shows, which is probably one of the best pieces of legislation ever invented. Uh, so if you don't know what that is, look it up and start using it. Um, and just remember that your risk profile or the way that you invest your money does not s need to cease when you retire. And what I mean by that is a lot of people seem to tie their retirement date to a conservative risk profile. Right, And I can understand why people do it because their perception of their income has changed. But I will also get them to say that whilst you've stopped working, now your investments need to work for you for the next 15 or 20 years. So your investment time frame is actually much longer than you think. So consider more growth-orientated income and in, uh, paying assets. Don't just run to your cash and your fixed interest to protect capital because as we know, capital doesn't grow. And if I use the analogy of driving the car, if the speed limit's 100 and you do 40, 
that's the choice you're making by having cash and fixed interest. You're limiting your ability to offset inflation and you may need to eat into more of your capital. And with a 15 or 20 year time frame, I think people can be a little bit more aggressive than they realise. Today's topic, how much is enough? Well, we've kind of answered that question. It's whatever you decide is enough, basically. Yeah, but when you yes. make that decision, there are things to Correct. remember. So, yep. Luke, what are the key things to remember? Well, I guess if we, if we rehash what we sort of touched on before the break, start early, you won't miss it. And I, and I say if you start saving early, benefit from compounding, you're not making bigger jumps later in life. Yeah. Um, maximise. Well, this, this, is, this is the big thing, isn't it? If you start putting money away on a regular basis mm. when you're 21, yeah, exactly. it makes a huge difference yeah. even compared to when yeah. you're 31. Correct. And you don't need to make bigger contributions later when you want to spend it on other things you enjoy. Yeah. Uh, remember that investments work longer than you do. So think twice about assuming you need to move to a conservative risk profile. If you truly feel like that, great, but understand the implications and the additional risks that that provides. Or as I said, do 40 in a 100 zone. Uh, you won't spend money the same as you do from 60 to 75 as you do from 75 to 90 if you're lucky enough to uh, to last that long. So remember that you won't need the same amount of income every year for the rest of your days. Understand your budget. Know where your money's going because the sooner you can get a handle on what you really need, you can then focus on what you need to save at the moment to eliminate any shortfall or have as much peace of mind as possible when you do retire to be able to live the way you want to live and cover the difference between wages and income from investments. But just keep in mind that working is a resource, income is very important, maximise your franking credits, and if Centrelink's uh, a possibility, then make the most of those opportunities as well. Now, here's the thing, very quickly, if I go on holidays and I'm not working, I find with all that free time on holidays, I actually end up spending more money than I mm. do while I'm at work. Does the same thing happen when I retire? Do I end up well, spending more money because I've got more free time? And I think that's where people generally <laughs> say to me it's a, a one- to two-year transition to a new routine because you do have a lot more time to fill the days in. And if you meet the boys for a coffee and a round of golf and the girls for some mahjong and a little bit, little bit, little bit, you need to have an understanding of what you spend so that you can then get a better handle on what you will need and what your income could be sourced from in relation to distributions, rent or, or wherever you invest your capital. So, yes, you might be spending more than you did before, mm. but if that's the case, then you certainly need to plan ahead and make exactly. sure you've got it covered. Yep, that's right. Yeah, exactly. And so, that's why working part-time is not a bad thing. Yeah, well, keeps you busy, keeps you out of trouble, you know. Keeps your mind sharp, keeps yes. your body in check, and actually keeps you in your social network in some instances. So. Yeah, and keeps you off the street. Not a bad thing. Out of jail, as they say. Exactly right, exactly right. Indeed. Well, I tell you what, I think we now have a better idea of how much is enough, but it's still a very flexible concept. Mm. It can be whatever it means to you. Mm. Uh, but there are some certain minimums there. You need to make sure you've got your bills paid, yep. you've got enough for your food and groceries and so forth. Yep. And then on top of that, your little discretionary items like maybe an annual holiday or other little luxuries that exactly you right. might enjoy. Exactly right. You take all that into account, then you can figure out what the figure is for you. So. Mm. Luke, where do we go if we want to get more information? www.envisionfinancial.com.au. We've got the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, the strategy stack of Luke Talks Money where we've got the podcast. Said that. Uh, YouTube, <laughs> YouTube, we've got Envision Financial Canberra. We've got all the key takeouts of today and some bullets that you can stop and pause and wind back and, and have a look on your iPhone. And I think it's, it's just important that people keep things in perspective um, and, and, and make the most of the time that they have working. So... On a, on a lighter note, um, I'd, I'd like to take the opportunity to in, in just embarrass Mr Whitehead from the Raiders and uh, let everybody know that it's his birthday. So if you can get out to the uh, – watch the footy 
and uh, watch the Raiders do the Roosters. Um, I'm sure a, a few celebratory wines will be had for his, his birthday tomorrow night as well. So Alrighty. happy birthday, big man, and uh, let's see if you can't get the job done tomorrow. Fantastic. Well, the big game is around about 7.30 mm. on uh, tomorrow night at yeah, Jack Iowa Stadium. Big so. chance. Big chance. Yeah. And, oh, I'll tell you what. It's so get be, out there and support the Raiders. It's going to be a huge game. Give Elliot a kiss. Uh, <laughs> will that help him? I don't know. Uh, but uh, obviously it's uh, going to be a big night. And uh, all eyes will be on the stadium. Luke, thanks very much. We'll Pleasure. catch you again next we'll Friday. We'll see you next week. Beautiful.